Hi all, Ron Fredman here. It's my pleasure to welcome you to this edition of Step Up, brought to you by Steppenrothwell Financial Advisors, a national fee-only firm based in Kansas City. Today's topic, it's not too late to make a difference. Joining me is Steppenrothwell Principal Advisor, Todd Erickson. With us is special guest Phil Hansen, President and CEO of the Truman Hartland Community Foundation. Gentlemen, first off, happy holidays to you both. And to you, Ron. Yeah, thank you, and happy holidays to you. Thank you. Let's talk philanthropy. We live in a most generous nation. According to Giving USA, in 2019, that's the last year these numbers were reported, nearly $450 billion in philanthropy occurred in the United States. That's billion with a B. In current dollars, it was an all-time record. That's a lot of money, a lot of kindness. Phil, what's with Americans? Why are we so generous? You're, you're right, Ron. We are a very generous uh, country, and that $450 billion was up 4.2% uh, over the preceding year. Uh, it, philanthropy really is part of our culture, and it's been that way really since the uh, beginning of the country. In fact, uh, Alexis de Tocqueville uh, uh, wrote a book, two-volume book, uh, called Democracy in America that mm -hmm. were published in uh, 1835 and 1840. And he and a compatriot came from France to oddly study our penal system and figure out how they can improve their system there. But he got intrigued with the uh, American culture and spirit and commented uh, from his visit back in 1831 talking about how Americans came together in associations, which are, you know, the early nonprofits, sure. to uh, really have an impact in the community, and he was very intrigued uh, by that. Uh, so it really has been part of our culture from the, from the very beginning, in terms of people trying to settle a new country and really uh, create a new society versus, you know, what, what was experienced in Europe, where you had an aristocracy and more uh, equality uh, of, of folks. So uh, it, it's been there from the beginning. That's wonderful. You know, I've heard the number one reason somebody makes a gift is because they're asked. But there has to be more to it than that. What motivates somebody to give? Well, I think a lot of it is, is family values, uh, that they see uh, that behavior. Uh, they learn it from their, from their parents. Oftentimes, too, you see people who are impacted by a nonprofit that's helped them out in a tough time, you know, like, like we're seeing now. Mm -hmm. uh, we're seeing a lot of people who are having to uh, ask for help that have never asked for help before. Uh, so I think oftentimes after that experience, it may, if that family value wasn't there in that family previous, that might, might develop in situations like we're, like we're having right now. Oftentimes, people who volunteer in organizations, uh, they're some of the best givers. You know, sometimes people think, oh, they're going to volunteer, they're just, they're giving their time, mm -hmm. uh, and um, therefore, you know, may not give money. Well, the, the studies show folks who volunteer actually give more money. Todd, I know you volunteer your time in our community, mm -hmm. including for a group that provides care for ill or injured pets. That's a form of giving too, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is, Ron. Um, a little over a year ago, I joined the board of Armani's Angels uh, for the very reasons that Phil just mentioned. Um, in fact, uh, according to nonprofitsource.com, approximately 63 million Americans, or about 25% of the adult population, volunteer their time, talents, and energy to make it a difference. 
And if you translate that into current dollars, that's approximately 6.9 billion hours and 187.7 billion dollars in value. Yeah, that's an awful mm -hmm. lot of philanthropy. You know, it's hard to say I'm volunteering time, therefore it's worth $20 an hour, mm -hmm. but the reality is if a nonprofit had to pay for that, uh, that's what it would cost. So consider between the philanthropy, all those billions, and the time, all those billions, we do truly live in a wonderfully generous mm -hmm. country. How easy is it, do you think, for somebody to get involved in a cause that matters to them? Well, it's actually easier than you might think. Um, for me, it was through my realtor. Um, she kept posting stories of people whose pets uh, needed immediate care, and uh, but due to varying circumstances, couldn't afford to pay the veterinarian bill. So being a pet lover, I decided to get involved. Uh, before I joined Armani's Angels, I looked into a few other nonprofits uh, for which I shared a common passion, and I was surprised to find out how willing they were to help me get involved. Uh, Todd, if, if somebody wanted to consider a gift or other engagement, where can they find this information? What, what do they need to look for to make sure that they're making the right decision on their investment? Sure. I think a good start is to consider organizations that have somehow touched your life. Uh, for example, one of the other organizations that I was considering was uh, Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care mm -hmm. due to the kind and attentive care they gave to my sister uh, before she passed away from cancer a few years ago. Uh, someday soon, I hope to be able to devote some time to this invaluable organization. Uh, but next, I found a, a website, uh, charitynavigator.com, mm -hmm. to be very helpful in determining not only which type of charity to give to, but it's also help helpful in comparing uh, two or more charities, um, comparing things like financial strength, um, their mission, um, the management of the organization, and things like that. Thank you. Uh, Phil, so many nonprofits receive a significant amount of their annual revenue during the holiday season. In fact, for many, it could be as much as half of their contributed revenue takes place between Thanksgiving and the end of the calendar year. From your perspective, how are things shaping up this holiday season? Well, if I could, Ron, if I could go back to the, the previous oh, question course, on, course, on volunteering. We'll start um, there. The uh, United Way has a, a good uh, resource. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called United Way Get Connected. It's on their uh, website where they list uh, different volunteer opportunities in the community. And this is true for all communities have the same access? Uh, most of them do. Good. Uh, okay. But here in our local community in the Kansas City region, that's mm -hmm. certainly the case. And we've, uh, with our foundation, have worked closely with them on a project focused on getting older adults opportunities to volunteer. It's a little bit more challenging right now because mm -hmm. of the COVID situation. Sure. But uh, th that will change, and they, they do list... Uh, different volunteer opportunities, and you mentioned earlier the, the, the calculation on the, uh, um, the value of that volunteer time. They actually have a calculator on there, which is kind of fun to do, where if you put in here the volunteer hours that I've uh, put in, it will actually uh, compute that for you. Uh, also, in terms of the, the focus on um, different nonprofits, uh, Charity Navigator is one, GuideStar is another. Yes. Those are both free to use, correct? Yes, they are for the for the public to use. And they can and, just find it on the internet. Yeah. Okay. And, and one of the interesting conversations about those two sources, and, and it's it's really encouraging to see, is that they're really trying to figure out how they can look at metrics beyond just what's an organization's overhead costs mm -hmm. um, or fundraising expense, and really say who's having greater impact. 
in the community. Uh, and they, they call that the overhead meth to say that simply because somebody has low overhead, they might actually be starving the organization and not be able to be as productive as they could be if they really uh, made the investments that they needed to have a bigger impact in the community. So uh, they've actually joined forces on that uh, initiative to try to figure it out, which is infinitely more complicated than just looking at a few simple metrics. Exactly. But ultimately, the, the, the decision is based on the impact that you wish to make and the nonprofit's ability to help you make that impact. Uh, if, you can, if you can make that connection, then you likely have a good opportunity to invest. Now, Phil, let's jump forward uh, back to my original, my earlier question. Sorry to regress. That. No, no, that was not a regression. <laughs> that was actually a very insightful, so thank you. Feel free to regress anytime. It's not a problem. Uh, how are things shaping up this holiday season philanthropically? Well, it's encouraging news uh, that we've seen. Uh, in fact, there was a study done in uh, October that the Nonprofit uh, Alliance and an RKD group did, uh, which looked like it was a pretty robust study of, mm -hmm. I think, 1,100 households, so you can put some credence in it. Um, but basically what they found is that in October, 77% uh, of their respondents had already given more this year than last year, hmm. and December is you know a big giving month. Sure. And what they also found was that uh, even though 77% had given more than they'd already done last year, 36% were planning to give more in December than they did last December, and 44% were planning on giving the same. Um, so I think it's really encouraging. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, in in terms of raw dollars, that's very encouraging. And certainly COVID has had its impact on everything in our lives since, since March. In terms of giving patterns, uh, have you seen any shifts or changes in what people are giving to? And has your foundation shifted its giving priorities? Yeah, we certainly have seen a, a response to the uh, COVID challenges. Back, back in March, uh, when we were all ordered to stay at home and mm -hmm. we, we created a a web page on our website that uh, provided information from nonprofits to say here's how we're responding to the crisis, here's our needs. Uh, we didn't do a separate fundraising appeal. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there was one, a COVID-19 fund in the, in the community. Uh, but we were simply encouraging our donors to uh, contribute to these new and expanded needs. And we had great response. We had uh, $240,000 uh, and grants from our individuals who have donor advice funds from wow, us. Wonderful. And uh, and it wasn't that they were just shifting money. In mm -hmm. fact, we we've seen uh, already this year. Last year, our total grants and scholarships from all sources were 4.8 million dollars. And uh, at the end of November, uh, we we're already at 4.9 million in grants. So we're just going to blow those numbers away and set a new record in grant making like we did last year. Which goes back to our original statement that we live in a very generous society. Yeah. And we also, you know, we uh, accelerated our community grants process last year. So typically we would have uh, made the decision on community grants, which are those, you know, funds that people have left for our board to make the decision on. Uh, the preponderance happens through these donor advice funds mm -hmm. and scholarship funds. But we sped that process up and instead of making those decisions in September, we did so in June 
with the thought that these nonprofits need this money now. Yes, they're starving. Yeah. Todd, we have just a few days left in, in the calendar year. And for those of us who will uh, have no problem say goodbye to 2020, thank goodness for that. <laughs> Is it too late for somebody to make a gift? No, not at all. In fact, uh, you have until December 31st to make a gift to a charity. Of course, cash gifts are the easiest and quickest way uh, to make a charitable donation. Uh, but there's still time to make gifts of property, anything from clothing to cars. However, a gift of a vehicle or other real property comes with specific rules, so uh, be sure to check with the charity uh, before doing that. Um, you can also make gifts of appreciated securities. Um, that's all, not only beneficial uh, to the giver, but also beneficial to the charity. Um, Good, thank you. You had mentioned you have you have a few days left. Of course, you can make a gift in 2021 if you want, but making a gift in 2020 has certain benefits as well, which we can talk about in a second. In fact, there are some special giving opportunities that are tied to 2020 uh, and to the CARES Act. Let's start small and work our way up. The Chronicle of Philanthropy reported the number of small donations in the first half of this year, they defined small as $250 or less, increased 19.2% over the same span a year ago. Seems the CARES Act could have spurred some of that, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it has. In fact, uh, the CARES Act allows individuals to deduct up to $300 without having to itemize their deductions. Um, additionally, typically, itemized deductions were limited to 50% of adjusted gross income, and that limit doesn't apply in 2020. And for businesses, their charitable deduction was typically limited to 10% of their modified taxable income, and that limit has been increased to 25% this year. That's only if they give before the end of the that's, calendar that's year. That's correct. Because unless these rules are extended, these, op these unique opportunities are gone at the stroke of midnight. That's correct, mm -hmm. Ron. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Yeah, there has been you know, conversation about uh, increasing that uh, non-itemized or mm -hmm. universal deduction, and, and we hope that happens. And I do think there were folks who received uh, stimulus checks mm -hmm. who were the lucky ones who were still employed, yeah. knowing what the unemployment situation looked like for their uh, friends and neighbors and uh, who you know, took a portion of that and said, I'm gonna support some of those nonprofits who are helping folks out who aren't, aren't as fortunate as, as I am right now. Uh, so I think that, that certainly contributed to that increase in those you know, smaller givers that you mentioned, that 19% increase. Sounds good. I, I think you're very right. We've heard about people benefiting from charitable giving if they itemize their tax return, but what if I don't have enough deductions to be able to itemize? Uh, well, one strategy, Ron, is to bunch or combine two or more years of charitable contributions into one year. Uh, doing so may allow the individual to itemize their deductions in the year that they combine or bunch their contributions and then take the standard deduction in the other years. So, for instance, I, I'll typically give $1,000 a year to a nonprofit. If I give them $1,000 in December of every year, what you're suggesting is maybe I give $2,000 this December and nothing next December? That, that's correct. And in fact, that's uh, the way it works. And it probably would take a little bit larger contribution for your itemized deductions mm -hmm. to exceed the standard deduction. But in effect, uh, what you said is exactly how that would work. Okay, good. And Ron, we're seeing a lot of, of, of interest in this bunching strategy. Mm -hmm particularly when you combine it with the donor-advised fund. Yeah, which we'll talk uh, about in a moment, so yeah. that's good. So, it, you know, with that standard deduction going up to 24800 which it is mm -hmm. this year, mm -hmm. it's going to be a little bit higher next year, 
you know, we've seen that uh, instead of 25% of people being able to itemize, it's less than 10% at this point. Uh, so the bunching strategy can be that's good. Yeah. Well, what else? What other ideas do you have? Well, I'll add on the on the bunching oh, strategy. Sure. It, it's just important to know kind of what your tax situation is, not only in the current year, but kind of what it looks like in future years as mm -hmm. well. And of course, that's one thing we do at Stephen Rothwell is you know we're always looking not only at the current year, uh, but also future years of good. tax projections to see in which year you might want to consider bunching, and which year you would rather take the standard deduction. Understood. Makes mm -hmm. sense. In fact, for the, another idea is for those over the age of 72 uh, to give money directly from their IRA to charity, and that's qual called a qualified charitable contribution. And that's always a good option uh, because it's essentially a tax-free withdrawal from their IRA, which is true in any year. Is that, is that limited at all? Can they give anything they want? Anything they want up to $100,000 per year. Per couple or per individual? Uh, per individual. Mm -hmm. So if my wife and I are both 72, if we have enough money, we both we could make a family gift, as it were, of 200000 That's right. Phil, donor advised funds, and you mentioned these earlier, donor advised funds are booming. There's probably more than $125 billion in donor advised funds in this country. I take it you have a few at Truman Heartland. What are they and why do they make sense for some people? Yeah, we have about uh, 240 families who have uh, a donor advised fund. And basically, Ron, it's, it's a simple way for somebody to uh, create a, a family foundation, if you will, mm -hmm. without all of the, the structure and the cost uh, around it. And uh, we were talking earlier about this bunching strategy yeah. in the interest of, of people there. Uh, because w what you can do with a donor advised fund, obviously, you know, with, with proper planning and, and, and the cash flow, um, and particularly if you, if you use appreciated securities, which were mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. is, is a great way for people uh, to create a donor advised fund because they can avoid the capital gains tax, also get the full uh, deduction at the time that they create the fund. So uh, we're seeing a lot of interest because of this higher standard deduction and people found themselves in a situation they've never been in before where, you know, they've been giving, you know, $5,000, let's say, to charities and suddenly they weren't able to deduct it because they couldn't get above that uh, standard deduction, sure. which is, you know, much, much higher. So people who were generous and suddenly uh, weren't able to, to, to have that tax benefit. So by creating a donor advised fund, uh, as was mentioned, you bunch your gift in a particular year. And then what happens with the donor advice fund is that you can make grants out to that, to all those same favorite charities every year. Mm -hmm. So you're not putting that organization in the position of saying, well, I'm going to give you twice as much this year, and I'm not going to give you anything next year. Yeah, yeah you know, that's a very good point. They're, they're, they're probably going to come back to you and ask for, for, they, for they more absolutely, money. They absolutely Whereas will. <laughs> you can kind of level that out by using your donor advice fund and still achieve that, that same, uh, same strategy. Uh, so that it's a very uh, popular program that uh, that we provide, you know, and, and it particularly makes a lot of sense for people who are in their peak earning years, mm -hmm. who are charitable, who you know we all, we talk about retirement planning and having money in retirement. Well, if charity is important to them. They're going to want to still continue to support charity in their retirement. But when you're retired, you're not going to have the same tax advantages as you would if you, during those peak years, put money, set it in this account over here for your charity giving in your retirement. 
uh, and you know, segregated in that way, be able to get much more of the tax advantage, allow it to grow so you have more money to uh, give out to your favorite charities as that money's invested and grows. Uh, it, it's also uh, a great tool as people are then looking at their estate planning to figure out if they want to give money to charity. Sure. Earlier we talked about the you know the family tradition about charity and a, a donor advice fund is a great way to pass that on to the next generation because you can set your children up as successor advisors on that fund to be able to make those decisions when you're no longer there and can you know tie in a portion of your estate that would go into that fund so those kids can carry on that family uh, tradition of supporting philanthropy. You know one thing I know is, and I've, I've worked in the philanthropic world for many years that there is, as we've talked about, it's a very generous country we live in. People truly care. People truly want to make a difference. And I've had people say, well, you know, I'm, I can't make a huge gift. I wish I could, but I'm not able to. And what I tell them, and I mean this with all sincerity, that a gift given with a good heart is a good gift. So whether you are able to make a dollar gift or a gift with a lot more zeros added, uh, if you are truly giving because you wish to make a difference, then do know that you are doing good for yourself and for those around you. Gentlemen, anything else you'd like to mention? For those who are interested in education, I mean, scholarship funds are mm -hmm. a very uh, popular program, and uh, a number of organizations, including community foundations, can help uh, folks out with that if education happens to be their hot button, which is you know certainly a, a priority for many people. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I'd just like to add, you know, we've talked a lot about the tax benefits of charitable giving today. Um, however, I'd like to encourage those that hear this podcast to make a plan to give, whether it's time or money, to charity every year. Um, charitable organizations of all types are there to serve the less fortunate and to provide for the public good in our community. And if there's a way to get a tax benefit, then that's just the icing on an already good cake. Well, that's, that's so well put. Uh, thank you, Phil, and thank you, Todd. Steppen Rothwell is a national firm headquartered in the Kansas City area. They are fee-only, providing objective insights and comprehensive financial guidance for you and your family. This helps you make informed decisions without conflict. You can reach them at 913-345-4800 or at stepandrothwell.com. Truman Hartland Community Foundation, based in Independence, Missouri, is committed to improving its communities through cooperation with community members and donors. It holds assets of more than $54 million and annually gives, we just learned, more than $4.9 million back to the community. You can reach Truman Hartland Foundation at 816-836-8189 or thcf.org. Nothing in this presentation should be construed as providing financial or investment guidance. Investing in stock markets involves the risk of loss. No portion of this content should be construed by a client or prospective client as a guarantee that he or she will experience the same or certain level of results or satisfaction if Stephen Rothwell is engaged or continues to be engaged to provide investment advisory services. A copy of their most current written disclosure brochure discussing their advisory services, fees, and conflicts is available upon request. On behalf of Phil Hansen of the Truman Hartman Community Foundation and Todd Erickson and everyone else at Stephen Rothwell, thank you for listening. Here's to a great new year.